Allie and the Experts Week on the Allie on the Run show is brought to you by Strava. Welcome to Allie and the Experts Week. We've heard from running coach Mary Johnson, and we learned so much about nutrition from Kelly Hogan. That brings us to day three. I'm thrilled to welcome my physical therapist, Bryn Facette O'Neill, back to the Alley on the Run show. Bryn made her show debut way back on episode 21 when she yelled at me for not foam rolling. You may remember that. Today, Bryn is back. Bryn is a physical therapist at Finish Line Physical Therapy in New York City, but she's currently on maternity leave because, yay, she just welcomed her first baby girl, Jovi, like a week ago. If you've ever wondered whether you're supposed to foam roll your IT band, why you keep getting injured, or how you should actually be recovering from a long run, Bryn has got you covered. First on this episode, we talk prehab, rehab, and specific injuries, and then we get into all things recovery, stretching, and injury prevention. There's lots to address, so let's go. Bryn Facette O'Neill, welcome back to the Alley on the Run show. You've been here before, and I'm thrilled to welcome you back for Q&A week. Yeah, thanks for having me. Last time was two years ago. Uh, things have changed. Mm-hmm. You are super pregnant right now. <laughs> I am. I'm ready to, I'm ready to pop. I'm, All right. I'm in the countdown. Well, it's very exciting. So what we're doing during Q&A week is we have roughly 8 million questions for you to answer. <laughs> but before we jump right in, we need to do the disclaimer we need to say the thing that protects us, which is first give us your expertise. What are your what are like the letters that go after your name? Um, I have my doctorate of physical therapy. I've been practicing at Finish Line Physical Therapy for the last nine years. I've taken a ton of continuing ed courses and so many different things, which has led me in all different directions. So, but I'm a physical therapist. Excellent. And you were on episode 21 of the Alley on the Run show, which everyone should go back and listen to if they didn't already. I know that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. It was a great episode. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to answer as many questions as we can. We have questions that run the gamut about body work, body stuff. I like to just put a disclaimer just to protect us, which is like you're answering these questions with the information given, which was mostly through Instagram. So we have limited information about these people's backgrounds and you should always see a doctor, right? Correct. I mean, everyone's different. So I'm going to answer them to the best of my ability. And the truth is with a lot of these injuries, it really comes down to it's, it's individualized based on like how your, how your structure is and all that stuff. But I'll do my best to answer these. All right, let's jump right in. We're going to do this in categories, and our first category is prehab and rehab. Mm. So first up, how often should you stretch and when, before a run or after? Both is the, is the actual like, correct answer. The perfect warm-up would be like to actually run kind of nice and easy. You're warmed up, you're getting the blood flowing, muscles are loosening up, and then stop, give yourself a dynamic stretch. No longer are we doing static stretching. So dynamic stretch means you're going into the stretch and coming back out of it, but you're also moving in all different planes, both forward and back, side to side, and then with some rotation. So like leg swings, cartwheels, things like that. <laughs> Definitely the cartwheels. Definitely yes. the cartwheels. Um, so the stretches before help to ease you into your run, and then definitely stretching after. Um, I also, after the run, I like to make sure that people are also foam rolling and stretching. And we're going to get to more foam rolling stuff. Yeah. We got a lot of foam rolling questions. What is the best way to keep flexible while marathon training? I feel like I'm losing flexibility. All right, so that, that, comes, that comes with it. This is, this is where I really try to hold patients accountable for this because when you're on a training program, you know, and you're running four or five, even six days a week, 
I'll be honest, and I was guilty of this. The first thing that goes is like, I don't want to do my five minutes of foam rolling or stretching. But you have to really maintain that. I've got quite a few patients who throw in things like yoga, which I think is great. Uh, but yoga also, you have to be a little careful with that because sometimes if you go to these classes, it can be too aggressive or it can be too tough for someone, especially in the class setting. So I always recommend if you haven't done yoga in the past and it's something that you want to throw into your training, then I think an individualized session is important. So yoga is an option, but really keeping up with the stretching and foam rolling and not putting it to the wayside. Because the last thing you want to do after a 20 mile run is, is get down on that foam rolling from where your quads, but you have to commit to it. Okay. Bryn said to do it, everyone. Just can't wait. What is your advice for cross-training and strength training when injured? Uh, it is key. It is the most important thing that you can do. Typically, because you're injured, it, it is there is a reason behind it, whether it's a mobility issue or it's a strength issue. And so while you're injured and you're not running as much, that's really like you have to address these things. And actually addressing these things even before you start your training is important. Um, cross-training is great. Spinning... Uh, swimming is awesome. Swimming is is like I tell patients like go swim your little heart out. You're not really going to irritate anything. You're not weight bearing on it. What so, about just sitting in a hot tub? Does that count? That doesn't count, Ellie. Mm. That doesn't count. <laughs> okay. Um, but cycling is a great form of cross training, and then obviously strength training. And what we try to focus on a lot at the clinic is is really like pe- teaching people how to glute load and how to really strength train through their glutes so that they're that they're getting stronger and they're stronger up through their core so that their lower extremities, like, you know, their calves aren't taking that hit and their feet aren't taking that hit. Okay. So I have a question. The person that sent that question said that they have a foot stress fracture, which sounds painful and horrible. And whoever sent that, I wish you a speedy recovery. Yes. I feel like, and this is going off topic, maybe it's just a social media thing that in the past year, I've seen so many posts from people who are like, completed a half marathon on crutches while one foot's in a boot, and everyone's commenting, like, that's amazing, you're so inspiring. No, I would disagree with that. Okay. Uh, you know, at some point, a stress fracture is a very serious injury. There's a lot of factors that go into that, but it's certainly not something that you push through. Like, the stress fracture is one of the things, one of the injuries that on our end as healthcare professionals, that is like an ultimate, no, like, you need to stop and rest. It is a hard no. Um, so I don't like when people are hobbling through a marathon like that. I, I think that you're actually doing further damage. And I think in the grand scheme of life, like at the end of the day, like this is a race. There's a million other races to do, but you're 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 hurting yourself and you're you're not it's not a very healthy thing to do. Yeah. Um and the thing with the stress fracture, especially in the foot, is you have to ask yourself, why do they get a stress fracture in their foot in the first place? And oftentimes it's like there's too much load, there's too much stress happening on those particular bones. And so if we can shift that and if we can train their glutes to take that and if we can move that load that load up the chain basically into their core and their glutes, then then their foot won't be taking so much of that hit. And I tell people all the time at the clinic, I'm like, your glutes are these strong powerhouse muscles. They'll run a marathon you all day long. Your quads and your calves won't. And so if those are tight and those have issues, Something's coming. Something's coming down the road. So what's your favorite glute exercise? Uh, you're asking this because you know I'm obsessed with the glutes. <laughs> I just love a good old lunge series. I love like a, a lunge, but the proper way to do a lunge. Well, because I was just going to say, I feel lunges in my quads. Yeah, you're not doing them, you're not doing them right. It's <laughs> shocking. Um, you know, you, you have to lengthen a muscle in order to load it. And so I tell people, I'm like, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but I'll do it real quick. Um, you know, if you do a forward lunge and your chest is up and your shoulders are straight and you're dropping your back leg behind you and you feel your weight on your front leg, let's say your right leg's forward, and you're on your toes, 
you're going to feel a stretch in your quads and in your calves. But if you actually take your weight, like put your weight through your right heel, so you're shifted a little bit more forward, lean your shoulders forward, reach your hands out in front of your knee, and as long as that weight is through your heel, you actually start to feel a stretch in your, ham your right hamstrings and right glute. And now you're lengthening that glute, which means you're actually strengthening it. Right? So you have to load in order to explode. <laughs> I like mm -hmm. that. I'm also really excited this is a podcast and that we're just sitting down talking <laughs> about this and that this isn't a video series where you're making me do these things because it just sounds like so much work. <laughs> the stretching and the lunging. Okay. Can you give us basic PT exercises that all runners should be doing? This was also a very popular question. People were like, can you just boil it down? Like, tell us what we should be doing. Yeah, we get this a lot at the clinic. You know, people want to come in and, they, and they're like, what is my routine that I can do that will prevent injury? And I'm like, there is no routine, okay, because it's different for everyone. But I would say that if you're doing a few of these things and you're helping yourself out. So foam rolling is key. I'm like big on foam rolling your quads and your calves consistently. After a run or a workout. After a run, before, but if there's two main muscle groups that you're foam rolling, it's those two. Um, so foam rolling your quads, calves are key, dynamic stretches. So at the clinic we do that 3D like lunge matrix. I think that's awesome because it really unlocks you know your thoracic spine, your hips, and your ankles in all three planes. So it's a great warm up and it's a great cool down. And then the glute training. You know, but a lot of times it's it's not enough to just go into a, a class sometimes because if you're like you and you're doing these strength training through your quads, we need to make sure that we're loading through your glutes. So uh, strength training uh, in the sense of loading your glutes and then also like dynamic planks and stuff like that are also really good for core. All right. What are the best exercises or stretches for shin splints? We got a lot of shin splint questions. Shin splints are a pain in the butt. Yeah, they uh, suck. They yeah. Um, very common. The Why do shin splints happen? <clears throat> two reasons. You could have, and I don't want to get too detailed, but people will appreciate this. If you have a really high arch, right? If you have a really, really high arch, then you land with a rigid structure. And, and a lot of runners are terrified of this pronation. People hear pronation and they totally freak out. Like they go and they get these stability Special shoes. shoes and da, 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 da. It's like this whole thing. But the truth is, is that when we land, we should pronate a little bit. We want our foot to unlock and we want that shock absorption to happen. It happens up the chain. And so if you are if you have this nice rigid foot in these high arches and you're not getting that shock absorption, well then you can get shin splints that way. On the other side of this, if someone has, if someone does pronate a ton, so they've got those flappy feet, you know who I'm talking about where their, their foot's just falling in, well then they're over lengthening that post tib and then they'll get a shin splint that way too. So it's it's usually one or the other and it really is individualized. My go-to as a general is like you have to get into your calves. And oftentimes foam rolling on your calves isn't enough. You have to use the ball to get into it. Like a lacrosse ball is what we use because you're not getting deep enough, right? So consistent blood flow to that tissue will help clear them up. Um, but really when it comes down to it and when people email me or they're calling me about shin splints, I'm like, I have to take a look at your feet because it's going to be either that you're not loading well enough or that you're loading too much and then you're not able to then get a rigid push off. So are there exercises people should do to help deal with them if they're happening? Is it rest? How do you get through it? If they're happening, then I would say it's the consistency of putting the ball into your calf. So rolling on a, on a lacrosse ball. And it is, it is rest. The shin splint is one of these things like uh, if it's making you limp or something after the run, it's too acutely inflamed. Like you can't, you can't run on that. And I always tell people, I'm like, if you have pain with walking, you're going to have pain with running. So it's, it's rest in that sense, but I'll be honest, that's an individualized thing too, because a lot of times I can keep people running, 
we just keep them in their sweet spot. So sometimes people will tell me when I'm doing a speed work, when I'm doing speed work, my shin splints are killing me. But if I just run like a nice comfortable pace, I'm good. So then I tell them like, stay in that sweet spot for now because I don't need to fully rest you if you're not irritating it, right? Or it could be that it's irritated on hills or something like that. So I always tell people like, find your sweet spot, find your sweet spot on the mileage. If you tell me that you run over four miles and your shin splints start acting up, well then I'm gonna tell you to run every other day, you know, two or three miles and stay running that way to give it time to heal as we fix your mechanics. What about ice, heat, any of that? Uh, we're really trying to move away from ice. It's really the contrast between ice and heat. So that's why cryotherapy what we have at the clinic is awesome because they're really starting to get into like, you want to vasoconstrict, which is you want to ice for a couple of minutes, but then you want to heat again and move. So movement will help then vasodilate to flush everything out. So just sitting there with an ice pack on for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, is no longer like, we're not doing that wow. anymore. So it's actually more heat to bring blood flow to the tissue. Hence why foam rolling is so important. And that's why I have people, they're not icing if they have splints, they're actually using the ball to bring blood flow to that tissue. And hence why I used to actually go to PT, not for all those dumb exercises that you always wanted me to do, <laughs> all that work. You didn't do them. No, I absolutely didn't. But you know what I was good at? Laying on the table with the heating pack and taking a sweet 10-minute yeah. nap. Yeah, yeah. so I, I support the heat. Yeah. I like it's, that. If you're going to ice, it's the ice-heat contrast. So it's, it's the back and forth that you want to do. All right. All runners have tight calves, someone says. Yep. What are the best calf stretches to do? Okay, so everyone has Googled this and they do that stretch where their hands are on the wall and they're flicked back behind them and they come in and they're like, I don't really feel like I'm stretching my calves when I do this. And I'm like, yeah, because you're, <laughs> you're not, right? I mean, your calves have to be very tight in order to feel that stretch. Uh, I think the best calf stretch, is, it's a version of that, but you're basically propping your foot up like on a stair or on the wall and then you're leaning kind of forward into it and then you're also leaning like a little bit, leaning your trunk side to side, and then with a little bit of a rotation. So it's a 3D calf stretch. I say like go up, yeah, have to go on something a little bit harder, like the wall or the stairs. So it's a little bit steeper. Those slant boards that people stretch on all the time, those things are amazing. So all right. Yeah. All right. Let's move into the specific injury category, okay. and this is obviously where it gets dicey because a lot of people sent questions that were like, "Cure me via Instagram." So yeah. we will do our best. First injury, we're going to talk about IT band syndrome. Hands down, most popular questions we got were about IT band stuff. So first, IT band, help. So many traditional clamshells and leg lifts, etc. It's not working. <laughs> That's the question. We're limited with our characters on Instagram, so work off of that. All right. Well, IT band is the worst. I think it's the worst because it just creeps up on someone, and it just, like, once it hits... It's there. And I've had it just once, and I never want it again. I also want to throw this about IT band. This is how it happens. All right, somebody goes for a run, and they start to feel some IT band pain. They feel a sharp, stabbing pain in the side of their knee. And then they, t they rest, and they, they Google things, and, and they start foam rolling their IT band, and then they take three days off. And then they go back into their run because their, tra their training program called for a run. So they go for a five-mile run, and they start to have pain again at like mile three. And that sharp stabbing pain is there, and they run through. They've got two more miles to go, so they run through those two miles of pain, and now, now you've got a problem. All right, so it always happens because I can't of relate that, to that at all. second I don't run. Allie. <laughs> <laughs> it's always that second run, and it's really, it's, it's one of these things that, like, you should not 
ever run through that sharp stabbing pain, right? It's always gonna lead to that inflammatory process afterwards. So that's my thing with IT band, like catch it early, talk to someone sooner than later, and don't run through this sharp stabbing pain, it's not okay. Yeah, so what exercises can people do? So similar to kind of the gin swims, IT band can happen for many different things. So you might be doing clamshells and leg lifts and you might be doing the strengthening side of it, but you might have a mobility issue. So with IT band, Typically, well, it can go either way, but let's use the example of the foot again. Your foot strikes the ground, and if you don't get that proper shock absorption, then you're, you, it loads the outside, so it really puts a lot of pressure on the outside of your legs. And if your hip's not rotating the way that it should, then, then that, what happens with that IT band is it crosses across that, your knee condyle, and it clicks normally. It happens with you and I. But the problem is that it clicks, and it happens fast, and it doesn't really rub. But for someone that has, they're not rotating the way they should up at their hips or their foot's not landing the way that it should, at that condyle, it'll kind of like get stuck on that condyle for just a second longer than it should. And so then it starts to get irritated. And so strengthening isn't the answer for that. It's actually a mobility thing. You have to loosen up your glutes and you got to loosen up your foot and your calf. On the flip side of that, again, let's go back to some of these like flappy feet people. You know, you see them, they're running and they've got their knees driving in. You know, those, those people, then they're clicking because they're staying too long, and it is a strength thing for them. So you might be doing all the right things on the strength side, but you actually might not need the strengthening at all. It depends. It's going to go either way with that. Foam rolling, the biggest thing we Very talked about Very popular is, question. Yes, the biggest thing. And last time I was on here, I told people, <laughs> don't roll your IT band. And I was like, I shouldn't have told. It's not bad to roll your IT band. It's just that you're going to get more benefit from foam rolling your lateral quad. Okay, your IT band is this big piece of fascia. It looks like this big, thick rope in there. <laughs> Allie, the faces you're making, it's, it's okay. It's just a piece Sounds of fascia. like it's about to get painful. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's, it's, you're not actually going to like loosen that up and bring length to that tissue. The IT band will get latched down closer to that condyle because of all the muscles around it. So your lateral quad, your lateral hamstring, and then all your glutes that are attaching up to your IT band proximally. So... Foam rolling those muscles, so glutes, lateral quad, even a little bit of your lateral hamstring, is what's key. Now, it's not, it's okay to get onto your IT band, but the focus is not on your IT band. So just loosen everything around it. Everything up around it, especially and again, that lateral quad. Do we want any heat on that? I, I mean, you can't be walking around with a heat pack on your IT band. Watch me. <laughs> Patients ask us all the time before the marathon because, you know, they've, we've been treating their IT band pain. We don't want it to act up during the marathon. And they're like, should I bring a heat pack and have it on my knee before? And I'm like, that's a little extreme. Just make sure that you're moving and you want good blood flow. Also, if it hurts that bad, you probably shouldn't be about to run a marathon. That is correct. It's, I mean, that's just my thought. But yeah. I think actually someone asked a similar question that we're going to get to. <laughs> yeah. What is your single best advice for dealing with IT band issues or preventing IT band issues? Uh, preventing is, is definitely the foam rolling on your lateral quad. Uh, that's just a huge misconception in, in the running community. You hear it all the time, people are foam rolling on their IT band, and it hurts, but I'll tell you what hurts more is foam rolling on that lateral quad because the lateral quad is the issue. Um, so foam rolling on your lateral quad, um, that's the best way to kind of, that's your best way to prevent it, but otherwise it's just getting getting to someone and coming to see a PT or whatever and assessing your form, that'll help us kind of look at you and say like, okay, like you've got a rigid structure, like your thing is that we need to mobilize, or that your big thing is that you need to strength train. Getting ahead of these injuries is what's key. Or having a person to say, hey, this is your IT band, this is your lateral quad. Because yeah. I think that's not super obvious Yeah, and all, and all it is is when you're looking down at your legs, you know, your IT band's directly on the side of your thigh, 
and your quads are directly on the front. It's that 45 degree angle that's kind of in the middle. That it's just it's just off to the outside of your outside of your thigh, basically. That that's that's your lateral quad. And you'll feel it. You're gonna know it. <laughs> yeah. If you've had IT band issues in the past, are they more likely to recur in the future? No, no. That's great. That's news. a good question. It's not one of these injuries that's like it's always gonna be reoccurring. But if you don't address the mechanics, so if, you, if you've had IT band and you rest, and sure, it clears up, that's great, you're one of the lucky ones. If you don't address the mechanics, well, then that's going to come back because you're still doing the same thing. Quick, just example on that. Patience, patience if, you watch, if you watch the end of the New York City Marathon, you see people dragging their leg behind them, literally through that finish line. You know what I'm talking about? Like, their leg is locked. Well, yeah, but it happened to my husband during a five-mile turkey trot. <laughs> Similar. So- <laughs> it's a great story. So his their leg is like locked up. That is IT band, okay? They cannot bend their knee. And then what happens with the New York City Marathon is they take the time off. It's the holidays. It's Thanksgiving. Everyone's chilling out. So they've had this acute IT band pain. They take like two months off or they take a month off. And then they've got the New York City half that's coming up. So then they start trying to run again, but they never address the mechanics. Right. So right now we have this, we get this influx of people coming into the clinic because they're like, I took some time off. And it didn't go away, and now it's coming back. It didn't back. magically go it away. It didn't magically go away. So in that sense, that goes for any injury. Like, if you don't fix the mechanics behind it, yeah, it's going to come back. So rest alone is not enough. Never. Love that. That's actually a great point. Okay, let's talk about plantar fasciitis. Mm. Very common, very hard to spell. <laughs> plantar fasciitis injury tips. How do I increase my mileage as it improves? And actually, before we even address that question, can you explain plantar fasciitis? It's like foot yeah, situation. Yeah, if you, and I tell people, please don't Google. If you go, if you Google this stuff, you go down this rabbit hole, like, I've had it for a year and it doesn't go away. Plantar fasciitis is, is a pulling at the plantar fascia, most usually at the insertion at your heel. And it hurts, right? That thing gets inflamed and then it pulls and it's a tightness in the plantar fascia, and uh, tightness in your calves. Um, it can happen for a million different reasons. I think it's very common in the winter because of like winter boots and hard-soled shoes. Um, it's very painful for New Yorkers because we're on our feet so much. So it is one of these like persistent injuries here in New York is what I've noticed. I had it myself and it, it, it's a pain. It I've hurts. never had this one, Ooh. which I'm grateful for. My mom, my mom suffers from plantar fasciitis. <laughs> Bless her. She doesn't have to, Allie. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about that. Plantar fasciitis injury tips. How do I increase my mileage as it improves? So I say very slowly. I tell people to only introduce one variable at a time. Um, I typically send people for, you know, at the clinic we have use of the alterges, which I think are a great way to kind of introduce running. But once I get people ground running, I'll send them for a half-hour run. And I'll say, you go for a half hour run, and if you were pain-free during and you were pain-free after, then that's awesome. We're on the right track, right? Make sure you're foam rolling before and after and loosening up that plantar fascia. You take the next day off, and then go ahead and run again. And I tell people, like, I want three solid good runs of the same variable before we progress. So if you gave me three 30-minute runs, then I want you to increase. Then I'm going to say, okay, on your fourth run, like, I want you to go for 40 minutes. You know, what I don't want you doing is increasing too many variables at once. So a patient will come in and they ran three miles on Tuesday and then that weekend they went for six miles and they were doing hill repeats. And then they come in and their plantar fascia is totally inflamed and I don't know what it was from. Was it because of the hills? (laughs) Patients are the best. They're fun. Was it because of the hills or was it because of the increased time? So you're going to slowly increase your distance. You're going to slowly increase on your pace. 
and you're going to start to add in some of those hills, but you're going to do them all at kind of like separate intervals so that you know like what your sweet spot is. Okay, my foot can tolerate increased mileage, but it can't tolerate some speed stuff. Okay, leave the speed stuff out for now. Give that thing time to heal and let it progress. Okay. How do I avoid getting plantar fasciitis over and over, especially coming back from being pregnant? Oh, yeah. Brenda's I hope I don't get this again. Right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think I think especially with the whole pregnant thing is is that your whole weight shift has changed, and it's been really cool for me to experience that. I'm a nerd with this stuff, but you know. Because of the weight gain through the front, like you're stabilizing a lot more. So like our quads and our calves are on fire. And so I'm going to assume that with, with this patient, like, you know, she's got some really tight calves right now and some really tight hips because of the weight of the baby. I would say that for her, the biggest thing that she's got to do is, you know, foam rolling on her calves and her quads would help alleviate some of that, the pressure that she's been feeling, but also until she kind of aligns better um, post-baby, basically. Okay. Plantar fasciitis, one more. Mm-hmm. I've been to PT, but the number of exercises is overwhelming. What's your favorite? All right, good question. Um, the first thing is that, you know, putting the ball in your calves, firm rolling your quads, right? That'll help change the mechanics, get your weight off of your feet, and then the golf ball on the bottom of your foot. It's the persistency. You have to stay up on plantar fasciitis. So you have to foam roll every day and you have to use that golf ball on your foot. I tell people you're rolling on the bottom of your foot for two to three minutes at a time, two to three times a day. Because that plantar fascia, similar to the IT band, it wants to tighten up on itself again very quickly and so you have to stay at it kind of loosening it up um, and bringing blood flow to the area. The other thing with plantar fascia, and I can speak to this from experience, is it's the little things, right? So. It's these little annoying things throughout the day that if you can prevent this, then it makes a big difference. I'll give you an example for myself. I would fall out of bed in the morning with pain because my foot hurt so bad. And you can try that night splint. That splint is so uncomfortable and annoying. But before you get out of bed in the morning and you take those first sharp steps, your plantar fascia gets tight at night. And so if you just lay there and before you, I always tell people, before you rush to get out of bed to pee, like stop for a second, extend your leg out and pull your toes and your foot back to you. So you do like 15 ankle pumps. That'll warm up the tissue, right? You're not walking around barefoot, so you're stepping on slippers or flip-flops and then also making sure that you're nice and warmed up. So I would start my run and I'd be running through this sharp stabbing pain. Sure, it would warm up, but for my first mile, I was in sharp stabbing pain. And what I started to do, which is very hard for runners, if you can get yourself to walk, this sounds... You're like looking at me like I'm crazy. If you walk for 10 minutes, so you're warming up that tissue, you're bringing blood flow to it, you're increasing your ankle dorsiflexion, you're stretching out that plantar fascia, and then you start to run and your pain level goes from a five down to a two or a three, well now you're making progress on it, right? So you can't just like these quick sharp pains that you get with plantar fascia, it's what keeps it there. And so eliminating those factors and doing your best to keep that stretched is key. Love those. Let's talk about knees. What are the best exercises for runner's knee? Again, I'm going to go right back to foam rolling on your quads. You guys, it's so simple. Like this foam rolling thing, if there's anything you learn from it, it's like foam roll your quads. When in doubt, I don't care what injury you have, you foam roll your quads. Uh, a lot of knee pain, the patellofemoral pain, is, is what us PTs will call it. If you Google it. No, that's it, what I call it. It's perfect. If you Google sure. it, it's called runner's knee. <laughs> that, that's because your kneecap is is kind of running up and down in this groove between your tibia and your fibula or your tibia and your femur don't let me get all crazy with the names but basically what happens is 
that kneecap will rub and it'll kind of, it's too close to that groove. And so foam rolling on your quads will help give it a little bit of that buffer. At the, uh, at the same time, we talk about the feet and whether you're pronating or you're not pronating, you're too supinated, that can also change the track. So I always tell people, I'm like, you know, the old school way of, of treating runner's knee is like, you've got this train running on this track and people used to try to tape the train onto the track. But why aren't you just changing the track, right, to line up with the train? And so what's happening there is that if you've got a floppy foot, I keep calling it floppy, I don't want to insult anyone. If you've got a foot that, you know, is pronated quite a bit, it's going to pull your tibia in with it. And now that track isn't lined up because your tibia and your, your femur aren't lined up properly. So you've got this train that's going on this track and the track's not properly lined up. So you're going to hit on those edges. So then you get, you get some rubbing there. On the contrary, let's say that your, let's say that your glutes are weak. Are you following me? I feel like you're really into no, this. No, I'm yeah. loving this metaphor. On yes. the contrary, like if your glutes are turning off, so your knees are kind of driving in, so your glutes are weak and they're fatiguing, well then your femur, your top bone is going to drive in. And so now you've got a track that's not lined up because your femur's caving It's going to crash into the other track. You got it. So now you've got, and it could be any of these different combos. So it's, it's this whole... You have to really put the picture together and it's different for everyone. But a lot of times I tell people the first place I'm going to start is always like, I need you to consistently firm roll on your quads. And if you have knee pain while you're running, I want you to firm roll on your quads before you go out. I need you to firm roll after. And then if it's just not, if that's not really clearing it up properly, then I need to take a look and I need to see which way we need to line up your train track, basically. <gasps> that was beautiful. That was complicated. No. I, I hope people follow that. No, I loved it. I thought it was very smart. Okay. Hamstrings. Can you foam roll or use a lacrosse ball on an injured hamstring, or will that make the situation worse? Yes, you can. Um, in fact, I prefer foam rolling and using the ball instead of hamstring stretches any day. Oftentimes, hamstrings are often they're too stretched anyway, and so you won't see anyone in our clinic doing hamstring stretches, and that hasn't happened for five years. Um, hamstring stretches, because of the way that the pelvis is lined, the pelvis is already in an anterior pelvic tilt, because of the tightness in the quads, that hamstrings are already over lengthened. Now that doesn't mean that you can't foam roll and put a ball into them. Um, that does help relieve it. If you have a hamstring strain where you've got this very isolated, tender spot in your hamstrings, you are leaving that spot alone, right? You're gonna go everything, you're gonna get everything around it. I personally prefer using a ball, a lacrosse ball in your hamstrings over a foam roller anyway. It's similar to the calves. You know, a lot of patients will try foam rolling their hamstrings and then they say, I don't feel like it's doing anything. And that's because it's probably, I mean, it's doing something, but you're going to feel it a lot more with a ball. A ball is just going to get in deeper, but avoid those real tender, isolated spots. Love that. Last injury specific question. Mm -hmm. Achilles tendonitis. Mm. I was diagnosed with Achilles, and this is kind of less about the specific injury <laughs> and more about the second part of this question. I was diagnosed with Achilles tendonitis today. I have a marathon in nine days. Help. Which that probably already happened, right? Well, yeah. I'm assuming. But I hope they I hope got through it. Okay. But let's talk to the general population of, oh my gosh, my marathon that I've been training for and working so hard for is a week away and I just got injured. Yeah. This is a case by case. It depends on the severity of how bad it is and how acute it is. If I think that the patient can get through it, without creating further damage and if we've if we can rest it and shut it down within that week or nine days before so that you've got a better chance of getting through this my thing with clients is like i cannot and will not let you hobble to the start of a race because 
26.2 or 13.1 is a really long way to go when you're already limping to the start. And so with nine days to go, you're talking some serious crunch time. And so you can shut it down and just rest and hope that that's enough time to give you a little bit of that buffer to hold it off. Or you have this conversation with like, look, I think that your Achilles is really inflamed. You're limping with walking. This is not going to be worth it. And a lot of times that's, that's me looking at people and like, as your PT, but also as your friend, like, I don't want you suffering through this. Um, it really depends. Like, you know, that's what my job is, is people come into me because they're injured training for something. So you're constantly assessing, like, can I get them to the start relatively pain-free? Can I do my best to get them there? Can I get them there pain-free? Hopefully, if they came in, you know, long enough before. But it really is, like, don't set yourself up for, like, what's the point of doing a race and then not being able to run for four months after? Um, so you're really weighing these these out. What does finish line physical therapy, which is based in New York City, yeah. look like the week before the New York City <laughs> Marathon? Uh, chaos. Controlled yeah. chaos. Um, no, you know, it's literally one of my favorite weeks of the year. I live for it because I love the crazy. Us PTs are fully booked and round the clock and patients, the energy in there is amazing. The compression sleeves are booked. The alter G's are booked. And just the, the energy with it. And a little bit of that nervous energy, which I kind of live for too, is is fun. But it's just crunch time, you know? And, and to be truthful, a lot of our patients are in a really good place going into the race. So it's more of this just excitement and we're always out there cheering. It's just, it's incredible. And don't wait until the last minute, people. No, that is, let's throw this in there. Do not cut this out, Allie. The quicker you we catch something, the easier it is for us to treat. And especially coming in for prehab and coming in and catching injuries and working on strength and all that stuff, the sooner the better from our perspective. When you come into me and you've got nine days to go before a race, there's only so much that I can do for you. I'm gonna do my best, but there's only so much I can do. Time for a quick break for a word from our sponsor, Strava. You're already on Strava, right? Okay, great. Go add me as your friend so we can be running friends from afar. Strava is the leading social network for athletes. Think of it as a training log meets Instagram meets Zac Efron. I mean, Zac Efron just because he's pretty and Strava's pretty. Strava is perhaps the most user-friendly app on my phone. I love that because I am not a very tech-savvy person. I love that I can open the app, hit start, go for my run, and then a few miles later, hit finish and have all kinds of fun data at my fingertips. I can very easily see which miles were my fastest, probably the first ones, and which were the slowest, which, let's be honest, were most definitely the last few. I'm just being honest. And Strava is honest. It's wonderfully accurate, and the app itself is free. If you want more, which of course you do, then get Strava Summit. For just a few dollars a month, you can get access to Strava's Summit features, which focus on training, safety, and analysis, whatever's most important to you, and there is so much more to gain in there. Go to strava.com summit and use code ONTHERUN to get your first month of Strava Summit free. That's strava.com summit using code ONTHERUN. Now let's get back to Bryn. All right, so now we've treated our injuries, we're feeling good, let's get into the recovery zone. These questions are all about recovery. First, what is an awesome post-long run self-care routine? What's yours? Nothing. Cookies <laughs> and a mimosa. <laughs> Cookies and six mimosas. All right, that's... What's that's yours? A, that's a no-no. As a PT. Oh, you can't... Yeah. Well, not you, but like, what are you advising? Yeah, this is... Okay. 
Um, we'll get your chocolate milk, right? Get your food in. The best thing that you can do is your foam rolling. So you're foam rolling all those areas, quads, calves, glutes. Uh, maybe you're rolling on the bottom of your foot if you need some of that, but it's the foam rolling. And then you're following that with your dynamic stretches. Uh, and then it's a bath. People are asking about an ice bath. I prefer the Epsom salt over an ice bath any day. Why? Um, because again, like sitting in a sitting in an ice bath for 20 minutes, you're you're just vasoconstricting. You're not then increasing the blood flow afterwards. But if you were to do an ice bath, and people aren't going to do this, you go ice bath for five minutes and then hot shower, ice bath, hot shower, ice bath, hot shower. Now you're talking a different story, right? So that works. But people aren't doing that. They're going to sit and park it for 20 minutes. So I'd rather uh, I'd rather the Epsom salt bath or or that's why cryotherapy is great because cryotherapy is your three minutes of cold, but then you're moving around and then you get this, you know, this increased blood flow everywhere. Let's, you know, be practical here. Yeah. It's easy to talk about like the Saturday long run when people maybe don't have plans the rest of the day or it's a little slower paced than the rest of the week. But reality is a lot of people are doing hard runs during the week as well. Yeah. So this person asked, if I only have seven minutes or less post run, what do I do? Seven minutes. You're foam rolling your quads, calves, and your glutes. That should take no more than five minutes. And then you're following that up with like uh, the lunge matrix that we like to do at the clinic. So hip flexor stretches, uh, calf stretches, uh, and even getting like arms up overhead, forward and back, side to side, rotating. You're just moving in all three planes. What are the best recovery exercises and activities to do after a marathon? And I think this is like the days and weeks after, not immediately after. So... We typically, we typically recommend, like, you do want to be off of your, you want to rest. Like, you know, they, I read somewhere that they recommend, like, a day per mile. So you're taking a day, that's a, look, people don't do that to shut it down for 26 days, but you're resting. I let people kind of do a little bit of a shakeout run. If they're feeling great after the run, after the race, I let them do a shakeout run three miles, like, that weekend after or even into that second week. Sometimes when people race really hard and and they're a little wrecked if they're feeling injured with something, then I have them take two weeks off. But again, in those two weeks, you're still foam rolling. I usually tell people, like, I'm mean because I make people foam roll, but after the marathon, I'm like, you'll make me so happy if you can get on that foam roller later in the week. Like, you're not going to want to look at that thing after the race, but getting onto the foam roller, doing some stretches, and then just easy, like, you know, shakeout runs just to kind of bring blood flow back and oftentimes after the race I tell people they might have felt great during and they might feel great after but you're really not going to know the repercussions from the race until they start kind of running again and that's when things start to show up like oh I'm feeling something in my right knee so so little easy runs after to kind of test everything out okay this is a good question if foam rolling doesn't hurt am I doing it wrong um no you're still bringing blood flow to the tissue um I would say that if you're if you're not feeling anything with it, I would tell you to slow down. You know, oftentimes people are rolling way too fast and they're just kind of rolling back and forth and they're getting the tissue on a very superficial level. You want to sink down into that tissue, go really, really slow. When you find that you're on a knot, go really slow over that knot and even like, you know, do some like knee bends over that. Um, you're not doing it wrong, but it should hurt a little bit and it's a good hurt. Now, on the other hand, people, patients ask, like, well, I don't do it because it hurts too much. I'm like, the reason it hurts too much is because that's how tight you are. And I promise you, if you stay consistent with it, it'll get a lot better. That's true. I can actually attest to that. When was I've... the last time you foam rolled, Allie? When was the last time I went for a run? <laughs> I mean, 
Um, no, I'm terrible about foam rolling because I don't want to take the time and I hate doing it. And because and it hurts it hurts. You. Yeah. But it I'm, hurts you because of how tight you are. But when I was seeing you regularly and mm-hmm. I like didn't want to deal with getting yelled at, I would foam roll. And yeah, it hurt the first time and then it, you know, hurt less and I felt better. So Correct. I will Brain's say too, right. the vibrating foam rollers that are out there, those things are great because I'm with you. Like that hurts and trust me, there are times that I'll walk over the foam rollers at the clinic. But the vibrating formula, I think, really does get at a deeper level. And it's not as a it's not as aggressive, but it just it does get deeper. So it's a different release that you feel from it. So I'm a big fan of the vibrating formulas that are out there. Sounds great. Let's do some general questions to wrap this up. How do you recommend dealing with an injury while training for a marathon? This person has Achilles tendonitis, but generally speaking, you're in the middle of training, you get injured. Seek help immediately. Uh Honestly, that is the best answer. I always tell people, and this is true, like email me and I will try to keep you out of the clinic or away from seeing me. I am always checking my email. I want to know if you've got Achilles tendonitis because I'm gonna send you, I'm gonna send you these videos or I'm gonna send you things to do, like do this, this, and this for this week. I'm gonna check back in with you at the end of the week and let me know how you're doing because I want to catch it early. If you keep running through these injuries and you keep running through pain, you're only making it worse. And at the end of the day, like your goal is this race, whether it's a marathon, half marathon, 5K, I want you to be able to get there. But you can't run yourself into the ground so that you're limping to the start because then you're not doing it at all, right? So the earlier we catch it, the, the easier it is for us to fix. How can I tell the difference between a sore muscle and a strained or pulled one? Great question. Uh, a sore muscle will loosen up for you as you run. So after you do your nice, perfect warm up and you're into your run, it'll actually kind of feel a lot better. And it also should not hurt you after the run. A strained muscle will will kind of like, it'll get worse as you progress. So it'll get worse with increase in speed or increase in you know hills or increase in mileage. So it will typically hurt you at the end of your run. And then you'll also have those lingering effects afterwards. Sore muscles, you know, from strength training, and people are like, I just did this big strength training, you know, routine, and then I actually have them, like, run, I'm like, run that out, that'll actually feel a little bit better, and the way that you know the difference is that it usually loosens up, and it feels better as you run, and you don't have any injuries, you don't have any pain afterwards, basically. How often should you be reassessed by a PT for an injury or other issues? As needed, I, well, I shouldn't say that, it's not as needed, it's, you know, to stay consistent with it is important. And, and I'll tell you, we have patients who come in at the very start of their training season and they see us regularly, whether it's every other week or every three weeks, and those patients crush these races. And, and I'm not just saying that, like they actually do really well because it allows us to stay on top of things and catch things early. And even before you start your training season, so at the very start of your training season, to come in and have someone take a look at your running gait and check out your feet and check out your hips and like are you moving the way that you should we can get ahead of that so that so that we're not playing catch up as as the season progresses i love that how important is it to warm up before a run i just start going as soon as my gps loads <laughs> uh, it's really important you know especially especially in these these colds these cold months you want to have good blood flow to the tissue that tissue has got to be able to to move and it's got to be able to extend especially Running, think about this, especially in New York, people sit for 14, 15 hours a day. Running puts you in the opposite direction. It makes you extend. And so if you're just like cold going into a run, especially if you just start into like a speed run, you're asking way too much of that tissue and it's not there. You have to increase that buffer zone so that it can tolerate those increased ranges of motion. 
Be honest. Does stretching really help prevent injuries and sore muscles? Yes. Yes, that's like a... I don't even know what else to say. Yes, I'm being totally honest. Yes, it does. Does having two or more kinds of sneakers during marathon training help prevent injuries? Uh, yes. I will tell people I'm very superstitious with when it comes to sneakers. So I'm never going to put you a new pair of sneakers a month before the race. The, the great thing with shoes these days are that these running companies, these shoe companies have all these different versions of their shoes, which is great because you should be able to find a version that works awesome with your foot. At the same time, with all of these changes that they make every year, you know, with the new versions, they make little changes. And so that can also mess with your foot. And think of running, it's so repetitive. And so if you're not in the right shoe for you and you're running 20 miles in it, well, then your mechanics get off and then injuries can happen from shoes. So I always tell people, like, test out different shoes in the off season. When you find the shoe that works for you, you're sticking with it. And we're going to stick with it through the whole training season. If you have two pairs of shoes, that's great too because it offers that variability. But they better feel good. They better feel good on your feet and they better not lead to injuries. And a lot of times you're not going to know until you try them. And with all these shoe variations that are out now, it's it's. It's hit or miss. I can't tell you how many shoes I have that I can't run in. Oh, same. But the great thing, a lot of running stores will let you run in them. And if they don't work, you get like two weeks and then you can bring them back. And that is perfect. Take full advantage of that because you should know with two weeks of running, you should know whether that shoe is going to be a good fit for you or not. And support your local running store. Correct. (laughs) All right. The last question we have for you. How do you learn to trust your body again after an injury? Trust it. Go for it. Don't be afraid. Um... I often tell people, and I think I often have to ask, like, act as their biggest cheerleader with this. I'm like, go for that five-mile run. You can do this, right? If you're doing, if you've properly recovered and you've done all the, you know, recovery stuff of the foam rolling and strengthening and all that stuff, your body will hold up. You have to just ease into it, and you got to make that, you know, got to make that gradual climb. But go with your gut and trust it. Your body's going to hold up. It's, it's, you got to stay positive with the stuff. All right, and I'm going to throw in one last question from me. What is the best thing about being a PT? Interacting with so many different people. I just kind of got pulled off my feet for work, you know, four four weeks out. So I already, it's my first week off, and I kind of just miss talking to everybody and seeing everybody. But people are fun, and New Yorkers are fun, and I just miss interacting with people. And and I also miss just being their cheerleader, too. You know, runners are crazy. I, I say that, but I say that in the best way, and... So I miss a little, I miss some of that, but You'll yeah, be back in no time. people, just great relationships. I've made some really great friendships through my patients. So do you have a baby sized foam roller? <laughs> I do not. And with all the baby stuff in my apartment right now, I don't even know where my foam roller is. <laughs> Shame on you. Yeah. You can borrow mine. Perfect. I have a bunch that I don't touch. <laughs> yeah. Bryn, it is always a pleasure having you on the show. I feel like I have talked to you and seen you for years and I still learn so much. So I appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom and your train track metaphors with everyone. (laughs) We've learned a lot today and I hope everyone listening is now ready to run injury free. Great. Thanks. And congrats. You're going to be a mom soon. Here we go. (laughs) Here we go. Thank you so much. So in theory, we should all be able to run injury-free forever now, right? I mean, that's my hope, and no doubt it's Bryn's hope for all of us as well. So thank you, Bryn, for sharing all of this valuable intel today. Next up on Allie and the Experts Week, Dr. Logan Levkoff, PhD, oh yes, 
Tomorrow, we are changing gears. We're putting our running shoes away for a minute, and we are talking love, sex, and relationships. If you're enjoying Allie and the Experts Week so far, let me know. I'm Allie on the Run One on Instagram and Twitter, and I'd love for you to like and follow the Allie on the Run Facebook page. Before we go, let's give it up for Strava for making Allie and the Experts Week possible. Go to strava.com slash summit and use code on the run to get your first month free. That's strava.com slash summit using code on the run for a month free with a purchase of an annual summit subscription. We have four days to go here. Subscribe, share, and thank you for joining me on the run.